0: Landmine Radio, Landmine Radio, high energy, no filter. Oh yeah! This episode of Landmine Radio is sponsored by Ditman Research. Do you know what the most valuable thing in the world is? high-quality information, because high-quality information informs much better decision-making. Dittman Research has been providing high-quality information to Alaska's leading businesses, organizations, and campaigns for 50 years. Do you really know what Alaskans think about your company or your issue? How about your clients, your shareholders, or your employees? So stop fumbling around in the dark. Hire Dittman Research and find out what's really going on. DittmanResearch.com. Okay, back here in studio in Juneau with uh, Representative Ashley Carrick. How you doing?
1: Good. How are you, Jeff?
0: I'm very excited. We just opened... I've had this bottle of whiskey um, yeah. for a year, and I haven't opened it, and it's quite a fancy bottle. It was a gift, and we've cracked it open because we were going to try to get a beer, and there's... I don't have any, but then you you notice that, and I forgot about that bottle, so...
1: Yeah, it's vintage.
0: This is good stuff. Yeah. I, I tried to... I didn't realize it was a cork. <laughs> I twisted it, and it broke, and then I had to push the cork into the bottle, which... Have you ever done that before, with a wine? Oh, yeah. I mean... That's a common thing, I think.
1: I was a college student, like... We've all been through that.
0: So we were supposed to do a podcast during the campaign, and yeah. we didn't get around to it. And I, I knew you from the last couple of years because you were working for Adam Wool.
1: That's right. Yeah. So I worked for my first session was in 2017. I worked for uh, then Representative Scott Kawasaki, and then uh, from the interim of 2017 onward, I worked for uh, Representative Wool.
0: And I was a big fan of Adam. He was part of the uh, the Yama caucus. Yes. I believe the Jewish, Yeah.
1: <laughs> the unofficial. Uh, yes, but yeah, no. Uh,
0: that suffered some losses here.
1: They have they have suffered a few losses. Adam moved back uh, east. He's. I from, heard that recently. Yeah. yeah, he's from Massachusetts area, and his wife is from North Carolina, and their daughters are about to graduate high school. They're sixteen and fourteen respectively, um, and I think they just wanted to be closer to extended family. He's
0: part of that ten thousand. Uh, person lost per year, unfortunately, we're experiencing in Alaska.
1: That out migration. We're losing
0: people like crazy. Like working class people or working age people are the main group, too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Adam and Kate helped start a business, multiple businesses. Blue Loon.
0: Yeah. I was, I loved that. I mean, when I, whenever I went to Fairbanks, I loved going. And he's got those stories about Snoop Dogg and I think Bill Maher and yeah. all these, like, you know, famous, really famous people.
1: We actually, in 2018, we had a campaign event for Adam um, for...
0: I just drank a little bit of cork, damn it.
1: <laughs> and the, the Young Dubliners played a concert. And it
0: was oh, amazing. yeah, know I heard about that one, too.
1: Oh, it was legendary. It was a great, great campaign event. But it was just a, a very small concert. Because campaign fundraisers, they don't often have a ton of people at them. And mm-hmm. we thought, well, we... Maybe attract, you know, extra people with this. And we did. We had a good turnout. But. Have you ever
0: had the, like you've run once, right? So yeah. I've run a couple of times and I've had the, many times, um, the, the big fundraiser, you're excited and like 12 people show up. Right. And you're, it's, it's almost like, it's like half embarrassing and then just half disappointing,
1: yeah, so I was really lucky. Like it's, it's all
0: your friends. You know? it,
1: is, it is. It's all like it's like your mom shows up or whatever. <laughs> it's like your and buddy. Like, and his oh, w- thanks, mom. His
0: wife, and he's like, uh, "Here's twenty bucks. I gotta go."
1: Right. Well, no, I was really lucky. My first campaign fundraiser, we we hosted out in the middle of nowhere in my district, like Rosie Creek area is pretty remote compared to other parts of West Fairbanks, and we actually had a great turnout. Um, almost twenty people, twenty five people showed up for my very first fundraiser for this race and it was totally just because of the the hosts have such good word of mouth reports Mm -hmm. people in the neighborhood and so people showed up just to meet me
0: so what you're what part of Fairbanks do you represent because I know it changed like Adam used to have the university. do you have the university still
1: I have the university uh the actual campus and then basically from University Avenue west to the edge of the borough is all in my district including Esther which used to be part of Greyer
0: Hopkins district so is your senator Kawasaki?
1: No, Click Bishop. Oh,
0: Click. Okay, so.
1: Yeah, yeah so Mike Kronk and I are the two house.
0: Oh, yeah, he's got that super big one he district.
1: Has. He has a unique district. We, we
0: we did a kind of funny tweet where, you know, most house districts like urban have, you know, five or six or ten, you know, maybe ten precincts. But his has like, I don't know, 60 or something because a, a lot of really small areas. Yeah, and,
1: and, he, and he won some of those yeah. by like a dictatorship yeah, no, like no, <laughs> that, that was a tweet we're
0: like we're like mike like whatever they were test test tesla or some whatever these places we were like these you know mike cronk has you know putin level victories in like eight precincts of like he does 95 and above a few were 100 it was like 26 votes they were all for cronk so 100 percent right. in these precincts
1: you're not gonna find that anywhere else in the state
0: yeah that was i was so. i was going through the um report and i was like jesus he's this guy's killing it literally (laughs) he's
1: like literally the only person anyone is voting for yeah um you won't find that in my district i mean we have eight precincts they're all Yeah, i think
0: mine has I'm in josephson's i think there's six maybe six or seven
1: yeah that sounds right
0: so so you ran in kind of a, a and i was talking i'm trying to remember who i was talking to about this but you were the only race uh legislative race where there was more than four people there was right. five. Right. And everyone, you know, the governor, obviously, and Senate and House, the, the big ones had a lot of people. But for the legislature, there was only one with more. That's top four. So the primary was essentially kind of, um, a, a, you know, a Formality. And in years there was one person who I think it was the Constitution Party or something or
1: Yeah, we did have we had one candidate who was brand new to politics and didn't really campaign. But we did have we had four people campaigning in my race.
0: And and, and I'll be honest, I mean, I knew you were a staffer and I didn't really know how much kind of you were known in Fairbanks, but when, when the when Adam didn't set out to run when he ran for the you know US Congress or the US House, um, this guy Tim Parker came out hot. Yeah. And I just 'Cause everybody was saying, Oh, Tim's the guy. You know, I didn't and I and I thought, oh, well, Ashley's gonna have a hard time because everyone seemed to be coalescing around this Tim guy. Um, but then you kind of like creamed him. Yeah, the
1: primary the primary results I think really he surprised was, everyone. He was like
0: NEA or teacher. He had, he had he had some like support of like a lot of the kind of like usual suspects, right?
1: He did. He actually retired just this last year, right as he was starting his campaign and was a former NEA president. So Lots and lots of great support from educators and just, I mean, he's a very well-respected, very loved educator as well. So
0: so were you, I mean, when you saw that, were you like, oh shit, this is going to be like tough or this is I gotta you know, obviously big competition.
1: I think, you know, for me it changed the dynamics, but it didn't change my desire to run or my feeling that I would uh, do a good job. Um, So it was, there was definitely a moment of like, oh, do I want to jump into a race with multiple candidates i i did have a suspicion although i didn't know initially that kevin mckinley was going to run again
0: Um, he's so when i did the video in 2018 Cale and i went to fairbanks and profiled some of the races and one of them was the wool race with mckinley and it was kind of weird because he's a republican but he's like in like body piercing and tattoo business and
1: i know well the the joke was always like adam and kevin were both in these like sin industries quote-unquote you know like Mm -hmm. um but and both were a moderate conservative for Kevin and a moderate liberal for Adam. Um, well, Adam
0: told me that um, he had previously like way before they, Kevin filed to run against him. He had like let Kevin use his, his bar for, for events or something. Yeah, like, They were like buddies. Yeah. And then he, he's like, what are you doing, man? He like filed, he filed like a day or two before the deadline.
1: I know. Well, and it was, it's great because I think Kevin McKinley is just such a great person. I, I got, Yeah, to I like him. I, you know, I do too. I got a chance to meet with him early in the race. Um, I initiated a, you know, kind of coffee meet and greet kind of thing. And just, well, I think we spent like three and a half hours just talking to each other. And I was definitely thinking, you know, if I don't win, I'd, I'd really like to see someone who has a similar kind of sense of what government should be and moderate like you, perspective. Win. You
0: would never by talking to the guy ever guess he owns like a piercing and tattoo shop. No.
1: Not you would never all.
0: in a million he's kind of soft-spoken right he's not i just just not you know he's he's just not doesn't give off that tattoo no. i think he got one little tattoo because he said when he somebody bought it he had to get a tattoo if you have a tattoo shop and i think it was like for his mom or something you know like on his arm he,
1: he had to get a little street cred he had to get something you know? He had to get something yeah
0: so it was you kevin this parker guy that constant what was that person's name
1: uh, um Kieran Brown was yes. the constitution party and then we had a far farther right candidate um Reuben McNeil
0: uh, okay yeah so so yeah that was like the one race where we we're like oh wow this is a here's the ranked choice race for the or for the for the primary matters and then you had done really well and then I feel like not very long after that Tim dropped out
1: he did so which Tim, was like Tim Parker dropped out pretty close to the deadline but he did drop out um
0: did you know he was gonna did you guys talk or did you was it a surprise to you?
1: We talked a little bit and I think there was a pretty good understanding even from back before either of us had filed that um, we wanted a good outcome for our race. We wanted to make sure that someone who was pro education, pro funding for schools, pro uh, defined benefits was going to, was going to ultimately win in a district that supported all of those things. Uh, so we were, I mean, on policy issues pretty much on the same page Um on on a lot of things for sure.
0: Yeah. So and then, then the because of the rules, the other the Constitution Party person moved up, right?
1: He did. Yeah. The, so, the,
0: <laughs> he survived. So
1: the first person to be eliminated from a five way primary actually was not eliminated, which is just a
0: wild. And threat. then your as I, as I recall, your did your race go to the rank
1: It did not. No.
0: Yeah. You you just won. Uh, with on the first round,
1: at, yeah. At the end of the day, we had fifty four. Yeah, races. that's
0: okay. That's right. Yeah, there was. It's funny of the fifty nine races. I think there was twelve that went to the you know, which is like I was. I had mixed feelings on the rank choice. I I, I like the single primary. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm kind of like a I like a top two runoff, but some people don't like that for different. Anyways, they brought up this, but the rank choice. Um, I think I was worried people were going to be confused by it, and I don't think people were as confused as I thought they would be.
1: Well, and I, I just have to give a shout out to the Division of Elections and to the sort of ad campaigns around. Like Alaskans for Better Elections stayed through the first round of this mm-hmm. process and kind of tried to help educate voters about what to expect. Um, and then I think candidates themselves actually did a pretty good job in so much as folks like me were knocking on doors. What like I, I pretty much had uh, two major questions that just kept coming up about process in general. One was... What does it mean if we vote yes to a constitutional convention or vote no? And the other question was, how does this ranked choice voting work? And so, as a candidate, I felt sort of inclined to answer all of those questions.
0: Yeah, like I said, it was interesting that I mean, obviously for the Murkowski race and the Peltola kind of Palin uh, baggage race, and then the governor's race. You know, actually, the governor's race—he didn't—he just won. He did, which is interesting because because there was two really you know big competing campaigns but um he just and he even had a republican in there that charlie pierce guy yeah but but only he still got 52 or whatever percent so
1: i think that there were a few surprising kind of day of or night of election i guess outcomes that was one of them for me i was, I was not expecting him to win outright i suppose
0: yeah no i i was kind of I, I think it was going to be close because you know the walker um gara battle <clears throat> but it's just interesting that that they only got you know combined less than half, right? So even if they would have, because f- before I was thinking for anyone for the one of them to win, they would have to get every single vote, second vote, yeah. Place and that you know didn't even end up mattering. So, anyways, wh- uh, you're here now. It's uh, I want to talk about what happened in the house the last couple of days. That, we'll get there because that was I'm just gonna say that was fucking loose <laughs> <laughs> yesterday. That was we're gonna get into that. And I just I'm, I'll post by this time post this podcast before you I recorded a podcast with David Eastman mm-hmm. who was uh kind of yesterday's free agent he was he was I, he I, was he was the man in the middle
1: it's so funny I passed a note to a couple of my colleagues yesterday it was like strange bedfellows huh you know I mean, well
0: and, and today we'll just let me go into this right now at the end of they did folks are listening now they know they, they got kind of things calmed down today they ended up getting the budget done the amendments and it's in the third reading which is the final reading and then after that was all done they did the special orders and something that was, I thought was kind of, I hadn't seen really, I've seen it happen a few times, but essentially they were just tabling all of Eastman's amendments. Right. And not even letting him introduce them. Uh, eventually he was he kind of outmaneuvered because they tried to package all of his amendments into one amendment and then table that. And then today there was some more tabling. Um, but you stood up and said, this is not right. We shouldn't be yeah, doing this. And,
1: and for me, it wasn't just about David Eastman, but I, I mean, In general, the last couple of days, and my my opinion actually developed on this over the last couple of days, because I've just never seen it used in the way we saw it the last couple of days. But um, initially, I was voting yes to table for amendments, um, because the amendments Eastman was offering to the operating budget are intent language, and there's sort of this unspoken rule that intent language is out of order for putting in the operating budget on the floor. I mean, it has very little actual impact on what takes place after the budget is passed. Um, There's a lot of reasons for that. But I just felt very strongly that even early on, I was kind of asking myself these questions of like, is it right to table something? Or is it better to rule something as not being germane? Things can be out of order. Mm -hmm. And if you rule them out of order, that's a different motion. And it means something different. Um, But as the budget process went on, and it started to impact the minority in particular, it was like, my questions turned into real philosophical opposition I guess that it was not right for us to table the amendments because um, by
0: tabling amendment you take the person's ability uh, ability away to talk about it
1: exactly so and, and have it have it be into the record right so someone will move it but what these amendments often look like you know on the piece of paper is just delete, Lo- delete a delete line amount.
0: 18 and, right. and amount no one know what you have to go to the budget to
1: and, and people, even if you do go to the budget, I mean, it, even for me as a legislator and working in this business for a long time, it takes, you know, a few minutes if you're really savvy to just figure out what an amendment is doing.
0: I've I've been doing, I do my political report and, and I get a little bit in the budget. I have somebody who luckily helps with the budget stuff, but I mean, it's almost like to me, it's by design very, very hard. Yeah. Because it makes it hard for regular people, even people that are smart people to look at this, you know, huge document, hundreds of pages and understand this line and this, you know, what this budget line means and this department and, you know, this kind of where, what it really, what it really means. you know.
1: Yeah. And I, I just think, you know, if, if something is not pertinent to the issue at hand, you could rule it out of order. Um, but to rule things, to table things is a different motion. To me, that indicates we're not ready to consider this right now but maybe we'll consider it later. And that's what Mason's manual essentially says. And so I um, I just got to a point by the time we got to today after a couple of days of really thinking about this process to um, come to the conclusion that that wasn't necessarily the right course of action, even if we're talking about David Eastman's amendments, which philosophically the content I, wasn't a, I like, was I not think, in favor of. I think you know? one
0: today in the mental health budget um, essentially kind of removed the Medicaid funding for abortion. Right, but and that got ta- that got tabled.
1: That got tabled, and you know, and that was I would say
0: that's probably germane to that.
1: It is. It is that germane. budget. It's germane, and I I think it's you know I'm not a I'm not in favor of that amendment at all. But should should uh, Representative Eastman had a chance to at least like say his two minutes on it, um, I, I, that's a tough question to answer for some folks. But for me, it's I I kind of think he should. I think cut. some
0: people some people don't want to be forced to because especially if you're the majority and you're kind of supposed to. They don't have a rule. In the past, they've had these rules where you have, you know, you kind of vote on procedural stuff with us, or <clears throat> but on, on that kind of thing, you can kind of do, even in the old binding cog, you could vote however you want on on these amendments. And some people don't want to be on the record voting, you know, against an Eastman amendment, which is, you know, come come back and they can say, oh, you voted for abortion, you know, blah,
1: right? And I get I, politically, we have to take some pretty hard votes. You know, where there's, it's, it kind of feels like this no win situation. You don't want to vote for something. um, And there's
0: no present here.
1: And yeah, exactly. Like in
0: Congress, you can vote present.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you have to vote yes or no.
0: And we saw that yesterday, or I guess, what, yeah, Wednesday when they got really crazy. Maybe it was Tuesday when things were starting to kind of go off the rails. Eastman kept refusing to vote. Mm -hmm. And they couldn't finish, they couldn't complete the vote.
1: Which, you know, we're not allowed to do that. We have to vote. If we're present, you have to vote. Um, I guess like what's the
0: ultimate like end to that if you just absolutely refuse like what, what I guess they can expel you
1: they can expel you uh, they can is, excuse you from voting so <clears throat> well
0: so, didn't someone try to do that didn't he, he try did, to
1: he did try to do that I thought I suspend mean,
0: the rules to because you have to have a you know if he's if the person's there you can't excuse him I guess right
1: you can excuse someone actually I don't know that's a good question um but you can ask to be excused yourself which obviously uh David Eastman was not going to do uh it just got really
0: tense in that it, room you know I mean, what That's minute, a minute goes like it. a minute goes by and it's like she Tilton's like Representative me you gotta vote and he's like i can't
1: yeah yeah it was it was very very tense there were a lot of moments over the last couple of days that got very tense
0: so so let, let, let's get into what kind of happened um the budget was done the amendments were done on t- tuesday night and and Sadler, the majority leader moved to put it into the third reading for the next day. But then Dan Ortiz came back with an amendment that he initially hadn't offered, but but he had turned in for this 50, 50, 25 from the general fund, 25% from the, uh, the CBR, which I guess is meant to force discussion on a fiscal plan or revenues. <clears throat> and a similar amendment was already voted down. So it wasn't like, you know, this is a topic that people are aware of. And there was some debate and it got voted down again. But then through some comments by uh, Ortiz and Schragi, they kind of made it clear that the minority wasn't going to give the votes for the the three-quarter vote for the Constitutional Budget Reserve to to fill the deficit. And the majority, I don't know, they just got triggered or something happened. And they brought back, and this education funding amendment was was brought up, like the first one, I think, the first or second amendment.
1: It was, it was the first one we brought up. For
0: $175 million for a one-time deal from the general fund. But then they came back to rescind the action, which means to undo it, undo the vote, which means you wouldn't undo it unless you had a reason to undo it. And then it became clear they were going to tie that money to the CBR, to the three-quarter vote, essentially forcing you guys to make a choice between CBR and and school money, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, more or less. I, we definitely were not, I, de- I certainly wasn't prepared to have that amendment come back forward again. And to be tied to the CBR, I mean, we definitely felt like a little bit um, shocked and dismayed to see that, uh, especially when there was a 39 to one vote two days previously I to mean the, support it. The crazy,
0: and I've been thinking about this a lot since everything happened Wednesday, we'll talk about, but if they would have just voted down the Ortiz Amendment, that would have been it. <laughs> the budget would have been in the third reading, the final reading on Wednesday,
1: yeah. Because amendments were done. The
0: amendments were all, I mean, maybe you could try to undo, rescind, or, but that didn't seem like that was the case. It didn't seem like that was the, the, the vibe. But they brought this, they, they did this, and then it turned into, you know, kind of chaotic, and then they ended up uh, adjourning. And I think, and I'm not sure, but I, I think they might have made a mistake <coughs> by adjourning, thinking if they adjourned, because when you adjourn, the, those bills advance to the, you know, the third reading but they hadn't gotten through the calendar. So the bill stayed in the second reading for Wednesdays. Is is, I don't know if that was what happened, but, but in any case, on Wednesday they came back and they were still on that amendment.
1: Yeah. And you know, we were pretty cognizant of the moving to second to third reading kind of thing. Um, so we, we were keen to keep the budget in second reading until we were completely done with the process. Um, but no, we did, we came back on Wednesday and, We're pretty surprised to see that amendment come forward again.
0: And and it obviously got kind of a little bit crazy. You guys, there was a break and the majority was figuring it out. And you guys, most of you, except Shragi, the minority leader, you you guys left. We did. And and I actually, it's funny. I was downstairs and I happened the first floor and I happened to see, you know, seven or five or six or seven of them together. And they saw me and they kind (laughs) of were having a little... A little powwow and then they said oh they kinda of looked at me like, Oh don't shh but they were, had their jackets on and I kinda s of, i sensed something was happening. And then eventually I figured I figured I talked to, I figured it out. So um and we asked Fields, he wouldn't really say, Were you guys together? Were you guys scattered? <laughs> Hope it's not the cork.
1: No, I've just been like getting over a sick uh cold. Um yeah, I mean we were in undisclosed I like that. Undisclosed places.
0: So so and for the folks listening, there's this rule about a put, putting a call <coughs> essentially which Calvin Troggy did compelling attendance and we've seen this before where the Illinois people went to Wisconsin and even more recently the Texas Democrats went to DC because in Texas you have to have a two thirds um, two thirds of the members there for a quorum.
1: Oh, I didn't even know Yeah, that.
0: that's why they were that's why they left and they couldn't get the quorum. Um, And in that case, they threatened to like, you know, issue arrest warrants. But so you guys left and, and, you know, to basically say we're not going to play the game.
1: Yeah, we I mean, like I said, we were surprised. It was important to have some time to like regroup and figure out what was
0: great. Great for my business.
1: Yeah. What was the next course of action? Um, And also um, just kind of figure out what what to do going forward. Um, We felt like the actions taken by the majority on Wednesday were in bad faith. And the majority had said, initially, their guiding principle was to have good civility and respect and governance. (coughs) And I still believe that that's, that's a goal that folks have in the majority.
0: Well, things were so civil and normal on Monday and Tuesday.
1: They were, they were, they were.
0: I mean, f- frankly, I, I was supposed to go to Vegas on mo- Sunday. I had a ticket, you know, I a cheap ticket a month ago and I canceled it <laughs> to come here because of, and I was frankly thinking I made the wrong choice because it was yeah. just so normal and just a lot of amendments, right? But it was just going through and it was uh, moving along and it was no big deal.
1: It was, it was kind of business as usual, you know, typically as a minority member, your amendments, you you hope they'll pass, you work hard to figure out if you have the momentum to pass certain amendments, but you know that at the point the budget has already hit the floor, a lot has gone into that budget through the subcommittee process, Mm -hmm. through the House Finance Committee, and so your likelihood of getting specific amendments through on the House floor are pretty minimal at that point as a minority member. So nothing was really surprising me up until Wednesday morning. Um,
0: The weird thing was, too, which is pretty uncommon. The major- several majority members had amendments that failed.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Allard had something about the money for the elections investigator, 36000 you know, very small amount of money. Uh, Tom had the one about the rebate dividend for, you know, right. $400 million, And there was a few others that, you know, it's, historically it's like the only time a majority member brings an amendment is to fix a mistake.
1: And, and, you know, usually as a majority member, if you bring an amendment forward, you can pretty well expect it's going to pass
0: well, you wouldn't you wouldn't do that unless you knew it was going to pass. I mean, that's that's how it should be because it's kind of weird when
1: once in a while, things like that do happen. But yeah, typically you you expect it to pass if you're a majority member. Um, and as a minority member, you try to bring forward amendments you think can pass and do your best you can. But you know, ultimately the the actions that happen on the floor are also, a chance to really speak to issues you maybe haven't gotten a chance to speak to previously well, too. You
0: know, going back to what you said about the tabling, um w- one of the tools the minority has is is the ability to offer amendments. Yeah. And the majority should should know that because you you, you make it <clears throat> you can make it easier or hard for them. And that's a tool. But by by this tabling thing, I mean if if they want to just table every single minor, which I hope never gets to that but that's what we saw the last couple of days. I mean, that could, that could be a possible depending who's in charge.
1: Right. And I don't want to see that. I just, I think that that's in philosophical opposition to what being a member of the house should be like, um, period. Like that to me is just such a, such a, uh, wrong course of action.
0: So let me ask you what, and this is, came up a lot. Some of the majority members pointed this out. There was the Ortiz amendment to pay half the dividend from the CBR, the constitutional reserve with, a over two billion dollars into that field then they try to tie the education to the CBR and and many of you folks spoke out against that saying that's unacceptable but but what's I guess the difference of you know if you're for using the CBR for the dividend but against using the CBR for the and that's something people pointed out and I mean I think it's a fair question to kind of it's it's still in any case you know go into the savings account
1: I mean for me I just go back to my comments on the floor yesterday which is that right Sorry, right now, in absence of new revenues and in absence of a comprehensive fiscal plan, utilizing the CBR draw is Alaska's fiscal plan. <coughs> that's that's essentially what what it's going to come down to at the end of the day, um, absent passing comprehensive bills that address our structural deficit and sort of tying the hands of the minority um using just that straight rule of 21, you know, we have the majority, we're going to do this, uh, and tying it to education just felt kind of backhanded. Uh, And personally, I think each of us has our own individual priorities for ourselves and for our districts. And for me, those priorities are education, higher education, as in the university, public health, public safety. And so I would rather see CBR draws to cover sort of those essential services as opposed to covering dividend payments. And my district is pretty supportive of me on that, but that's different for each person. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's folks with districts that are um, just in a very different place philosophically on what's the most important prioritization and sort of what is the greatest benefit to draw from the CBR on.
0: Well, I, I thought from conversations in the previous weeks and then that 39 to one vote, I actually thought th- the deal was we'll do the education increase and, and you guys give us the CBR vote. But apparently that wasn't the deal because it, d- it didn't work out that way. And then I asked you know, people in the majority and they just said, Speaker Tilton said we we offered it as a gesture of good faith and um, which is nice, but you'd think they would have had the deal worked out beforehand. And maybe that was a mistake by just offering it and saying, Hey, here we're, we're going to do this thing. And then all of a sudden there's no deal. So then they go back and they change it. Which, which is a, kind of a bad faith, you could argue a bad faith kind of move.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're not in on those conversations. And, you know, that's typical, and there's nothing wrong with that. But but we weren't in on those conversations. Well, so, it, you know, we didn't have that sort of understanding of what was going to take place.
0: I, I guess I meant to deal with a minority. Like, if you will do the education funding in, the, in exchange for, go for the CBR thing. So we're kind of like, we're good on that. And, and I guess that, I mean, obviously that wasn't the deal, because that didn't, you know, things unspooled.
1: Yeah, I mean, if if that were the deal, then uh, why would we have on Monday voted thirty nine to one to to do that, um, the BSA increase, uh, and not have drawn from the CBR in that first? You know, we could have they could have offered an amendment to the amendment in that first offering of the amendment. Um, mm-hmm. So to come back later, rescind action to do the same thing but change the funding source. It it's a messy process. It's messy to look at from the outside. And the goal was to essentially kind of do a gotcha, I guess. At the at the moment it was offered to do a gotcha on the minority members and say, "Well, these guys aren't going to vote against education. There's no way they'll ever vote against education." Funding. I wonder
0: if they thought you guys would just bail. They probably didn't anticipate that. And then Shragi stayed. And I don't know if you, I'm sure you guys are watching, but it got it got pretty uh, you know raucous when Shragi talked about holding kids hostage. And then Edgman, who was in a caucus, was with, with Shragi before last couple of years, um, you know, said I'm not going to be called a hostage taker and it got kind of like, it got really wild. We got, I'm assuming you were watching.
1: Yeah. I was able to watch. Um, it, it got pretty intense and, you know, I genuinely feel like the intensity that came out of Wednesday's meeting was escalated, you know, especially once we came back to the floor and everybody was there for a few hours and everybody was tired after three days, Um, just escalated to a point that was way beyond what was necessary. It's it's, it's funny,
0: like, politics is probably the only um, industry or the the only kind of place where people could just really, I don't want to say sometimes hate, but they could really just be very angry. Yeah. But then they're forced to be in the room together.
1: Yeah. And there's really no other,
0: like, industry or, I guess, law maybe, if you're in a courtroom, you know, you have to be with... Maybe you're disagreeing, but but you know you're with a lot of people who are very angry, who are very emotional, and they're in some cases are sitting right next to the person they don't they don't like.
1: Yeah, and I mean ultimately, the thing for myself and for many of our members in the minority is it's like we're going to fight for education. Um, we're gonna we're gonna fight for education in the BSA increase. The one time that we passed in this budget, we're gonna fight for it. Um, in bills like Dan Ortiz's HB 65. We're gonna fight for it when it comes over from the Senate. Um, and I think uh, while I don't really love the process that we all undertook yesterday afternoon on the floor session, I, I think we as a group made our priority on that very clear. We made. Well, uh, oh, there's
0: no <laughs> doubt <laughs> you, you folks are real, really supportive of the education money.
1: We are very supportive. There's no
0: doubt. I don't. I don't think any people in you know Timbuktu wouldn't doubt that.
1: Yeah, but I mean, also, we we want a fair process, and I I honestly think too that the majority, by and large, wants a fair process. Like I think I think everyone in the House, uh, by and large, has a strong inclination to have uh, good discussion, good debate, good governance.
0: Well, the other thing I wanted to ask, and this is the last thing because I do have to get on the airplane, and we're uh, we're approaching almost six forty-five. But you, you were part of the freshman caucus where there's 17 members of the house, of the 40-member house, almost half, that are brand new. You know, first term. Now, some of you had been staffers before. Some people had been around. But 17 first-time legislators. And there's this freshman caucus, which has been talked about. There's been some pictures on, tw- you know, Twitter. And, it's not, you know, no secret. And it's very, it's like very kind of even. Democrats, Republicans, independents, but it's both caucuses. Yeah. And you have the, you know, big... Big-time Republicans are really cl- Like Andrew Gray and Jamie Allard have something. I'm not sure what that is, but it's, you know, <laughs> going back to the Anchorage Assembly days. And, you know, like like Stanley and, and, and uh, Wright and you and other people, it's, everybody's very friendly. Yeah. So and I guess... You well,
1: also have the Fairbanks Four. You've got um, Frank yeah. Tomaszewski and Will Stapp and Maxine DiBert and myself. So two Republicans,
0: two Democrats. Yeah. Um, and Everybody's very collegial. It's like this great freshman. And at some point, it's even been people of express concern more veteran law. Like, are they going to like try to fuck around? Um, But then yesterday it got, but so is this freshman caucus thing in jeopardy? Has it been damaged? Are you guys having a meeting? Like, (laughs) it could be a weird meeting right now.
1: We're, no, we're, we're actually very much still intact. Uh, We still plan to meet next Tuesday um, and then just have regular meetings going forward. Um, We genuinely do have a strong collegiality and good rapport, working with each other, and just getting to know one another, and I, I just I love that that exists, and it exists above and beyond and after everything that took place this week.
0: So my, my meme of the Nigerian guys with the casket, <laughs> the freshman caucus.
1: It was very funny, but I don't think I don't think that that's true with the freshman caucus. I think we are intact, we are strong. Just like each of our caucuses, especially for the minority I know for us we're very strong uh, we're very united. there are sixteen of us, and we will continue to work together and seventeen be, right seventeen of us oh, sorry
0: seventeen plus sixteen plus you
1: yeah, sixteen plus me there are seventeen of us We'll continue to be strong be
0: so were you were you at the kind of uh, now infamous Matsu Brewing company uh, po- post um, I was
1: one of the only people who was not at that.
0: So this is the, this is a, I did the article. This is the uh, the the post um, introductory. What, what's the, what what do they call it when you have like a, you're, you're onboarding, I guess, or uh, as a new legislator? Yeah. No, a- there was
1: there was a storm in Fairbanks, and I was um, also not feeling good at that point in time, so I didn't go. And orientation. The orientation, but you know, I the long story short is I the more this job is all about relationships. It's all about having. Genuine connections with people, looking across the aisle and building bipartisan rapport with people, and I know that because I've worked in this job for a long time in a different capacity. But now, as a Wool was one of the,
0: yeah, one of the. He was he was really good at that. People, and people even he was if really they really good at that, piece, disagreed with him, yeah. everything. They people loved Adam.
1: Yeah, well, and um, there's many parts about there's many ways in which Adam Wool and I differ as people and as, as lawmakers. But there's many ways in which he really did mentor me, and one of those was just. Building those relationships across the aisle and being really genuine about it, mm-hmm. um, so it's really important to me. And I, I think the freshman circle, the minority circle, the interior delegation circle, which I'm the chair of the interior delegation, um, just all of these different things are good ways to to work together. So, and so, so you
0: weren't at the the now infamous Matsu Brewing Company post orientation dinner, where I
1: was not. <laughs> the,
0: the the freshmen, uh, many of them, almost all of them started to kind of contemplate. Uh, you know, theoretical organization, majority. And then Andrew Gray texted Sarah Hannon, hey, do you want to be, you know, here, we have a spot for you. And Sarah says, what do you mean? Like where? And he goes, majority leader. And she goes, this is Sarah Vance. (laughs) And then the the cat got out of the bat. And then apparently Andrew said he just, he had had gotten turned so pale, he almost passed out because it was like, you know, Oh my god! Which maybe it was the most Machiavellian power play ever. Yeah, maybe it was super Machiavellian, and it was like we're gonna, we're gonna like put this out there. You know, I or hope, it was just a huge fuck up.
1: I hope I can be a little crass on your show. Oh, it's and, good, no, obviously here and say you can't make this shit up. <laughs> you cannot. I mean, and and
0: that's well, the and nature all-
1: of politics in Alaska. It's very homegrown. We all have these like um really strong connections with each other and we're all very just kind of down to earth people by and large and s- stuff like that happens well and also
0: Stanley Wright wasn't there and then l- later we talked and he's like kind of made the joke he's like i like i like to get like i wish they would have gave me like, like i wish they would have kissed me first you know because like right jesus like <laughs> now i'm part of this thing and i'm screwed because <laughs> my name's on this thing and they had all these like everything was worked out like craig johnson is speaker right <laughs> yeah, was... and, like i mean i got like somebody i got the information and it was a great i mean it was a great like article
1: i mean a lot has happened since that that particular incident took place but uh did yeah. you hear
0: did you hear about it from my article or did you were you in the loop before that?
1: I was in the loop before that. <laughs> like we But I was <laughs> I was pretty surprised. I mean, I was a little incredulous at first, but I mean, since then a lot has taken place and a lot has evolved and the freshmen really do enjoy working together and I I think that that is a change from what I've seen in the past in the house and it's really encouraging just mm-hmm. to see that kind of camaraderie across the aisle and I I hope it continues. I mean, we're not going to be freshmen forever. Um, I hope that that continues long into the future.
0: Yeah, I mean, some of you guys might be here a long time, some might not. But you know, it, it, you're right about the relationships. I mean, I think some people just don't understand that in <clears throat> in life, but especially in like politics, where you know, one day you can you know hate somebody, but then the next day you really need their help.
1: You you do, and you know, we're all having this incredibly unique experience together, regardless of how long we've served or it's where like we're a from. it's like a
0: shared trauma. It,
1: <laughs> <laughs> A shared honor, a shared trauma. I mean, it depends on which side of the coin or what day you're looking at. But yeah, I mean, there there's something that binds together the members of this legislature, the members of this like legislative family, communally. Um, and it helps keep you moving forward just the same way your community helps I mean, move I, you forward. I,
0: I always kind of like, think about it like this. There's some people that I really don't get along with in that place. But if I was in the weirdest place on earth and I came across them... I would, I would. Of course, I would talk to them, and I would probably hang out with them. you know. If I was in some weird country and there's a bar, right? You're you're in, you know, some place in South America, and you're and you see that person. There's no way you're not going to like want to talk to them and you know spend time with them. Yeah. And, and and I think some people kind of forget they get so wrapped up in this like moment and it's like tunnel vision and it's it's a game or it's like how do I win? But
1: yeah, I mean, I'll say for my part, after everything that took place today even with yesterday and even with the chaos and the uh, just hectic nature of everything that took place yesterday, I had some incredibly good conversations with my colleagues of all political stripes. Yeah,
0: Today was so just bizarre how crazy shit was yesterday and how normal it was today.
1: I think there was a, a, a joint recognition among everyone there that like, we all needed some space to breathe, to process, and to figure out how to move forward. And ultimately, mm-hmm. we all have to work together.
0: Like, like, if you were here today as an observer, and you had no information, or you had no exposure to the last, y- yesterday, there's no way you would think anything was wrong.
1: Yeah. No, it's-, <laughs> it's insane. <I> mean, it's <laughs> insane. <laughs> but, you know, at the same time, I, I feel like our caucus made our message really clear of, of what... You know, they, like, what hill are you ready to die on? And, I mean, and like, I, we, we made it really clear where our priorities lie and where our values are at. And at the same time, we do want to work with the members of the, of majority and of leadership and et cetera, and of the freshmen and all of those different, um, I certainly do.
0: Personally, I, I love the move. Yeah. I think it's pretty bold. Yeah. I, I, mean, I loved it. I mean, it, also, cause it gives me, you know, great headline. You know?
1: It, <laughs> it does make for a headline. Yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah.
0: I think I said house flea house minority fleas capital. It <laughs> was not
1: simply for a headline, but it does make a good headline. That's that's pretty undeniable. Well, President
0: of Carrick I'm, I'm, I got I talk to you I feel like I could talk to you forever. Um we were going to do this during the campaign, it didn't work out, but I'm glad I'm glad you came on now and we'll we'll do it again because you're oh,
1: a, We got a chance to talk about the campaign, got a chance to enjoy this had
0: a little bit like of this uh
1: vintage whiskey here. Very or or what, whatever it is, whatever it,
0: it is. It's, I think it's a scotch. Ah. It's a it's a malt, and it's very good.
1: It's very good. I'm feeling really,
0: I'm, it was a little chilly before, and now I'm kind of feeling warm.
1: Yeah, well, After yeah. a
0: little, you know, glass of this thing.
1: It's, you know, it's... You right. ever go to Hoodoo? I like Hoodoo. Love Hoodoo. Everyone loves Hoodoo in Fairbanks. It's like sacrosanct to say you don't love Hoodoo.
0: <laughs> I like when you go there, and, you know, it's like maybe a spring or even summer, and everybody's out there on the, you know, having a beer, and it's a very nice atmosphere.
1: I like to joke that Lulu's Bread and Bagels was my campaign headquarters. Really? I spent... A lot of time there. It's in my district, and it's a great place to meet I like my that. voters.
0: Well, Representative Carrick from Fairbanks, uh, thanks for being here, and, and uh, we'll see what happens next week, the Monday. Come back and kind of figure this whole budget thing out.
1: Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting. Everybody should stay tuned. It's um, important.
0: I don't, I, and especially at the end, end of session, it's going to get, that's when the shit really gets, that's when it's really going to kind of <laughs> going to get loose, I'll say because no is, one knows what's going to happen there.
1: That is what you say.
0: That is what I yes, I do. Yes, <laughs> thank you for this. Yes.
1: That's the tagline.
0: I get kind of uncomfortable when people like come to me and they're like, "Yeah, it's lo-. I'm like, "Oh, just stop, stop." You know. <laughs>
1: it's only okay when I do it's it. It's only okay when I do it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, Representative Carrick. Ashley Carrick, um, great podcast. You're uh you're a real one.
1: I I try to keep it real.
0: I, oh, I like that. You
1: no, know, that's important.
0: Didn't somebody make some uh Last thing, did, who made a Vanilla Ice reference today? Was that Will Stapp?
1: Oh, God, it was probably Will Stapp.
0: I think it was something about um, other people's money or something. Just or-
1: remember, as much as I like all parts of Fairbanks, East Fairbanks is least Fairbanks and West Fairbanks is best Fairbanks. Oh, my
0: God, I love that.
1: I mean, the the rivalry is healthy, but it is strong.
0: Have you ever seen the, uh, the shirt? My friend has the shirt. It's uh, North Korea is best Korea.
1: That has a little bit of a different intonation. <laughs> seems, yes, that seems less than friendly.
0: <laughs> it's a great shirt.
1: Anyway. <laughs> okay, Asher
0: Carrick, President Carrick, uh, great podcast. Good talking to you. We're going to have you on again, and and uh, we'll see. We'll see you next time.
1: Sounds good. Thanks. Okay,
0: folks, if you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast, get a hold of me and stay tuned for the next one. Landline.